Hello, mummers. We are hitting up episode three in our Feeding Our Babes series today, talking all about milk supply and nutrition. Enjoy. Hey, mama, I'm sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes. It's time for you to guide you through. Let's take some time for you. It's pregnancy with physio. Hello, mamas, and welcome back to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast. We are up to episode three in our four-part Feeding Our Babes series today, and it has been an amazing series so far. It's such needed information, all of this feeding and milk making and breastfeeding chat. It's so needed. We don't have enough education out there, I don't think yet. And Jolene, who is our holistic lactation consultant, has been wonderful and shared so much wisdom on this podcast. You can find her at jwp.care if you want to learn more about all of this. And remember that she does have a preparing for breastfeeding guide and she's offering any listeners 15% off that if you use the code PhysioLaura. So definitely check that out if you are wanting further support. So this is episode three. We're talking all about milk supply and nutrition. So we're going to cover things like, does your letdown indicate how much milk you have? And does your pumping volume, so what volume you're getting out on a pump, does that indicate true milk supply? We also talk about how common low milk supply is and what factors contribute to low milk supply. We talk about nutrition and hydration and the role they play in supporting breastfeeding and milk making. We talk about the importance of a protein rich breakfast to start the day right. And you'll hear about how pathetic my breakfast is compared to Jolene's in the podcast. We talk about her thoughts on lactation cookies and teas and other supplements and things like that. And we talk about maintaining good milk supply when returning to work, returning to exercise or falling pregnant again. They were really common listener questions that came through. So I know you're going to love today's episode. Remember, this is episode three. So we have already released two episodes. Go back and check them out when you can. One is on preparing for breastfeeding and the other is on the physiology of breastfeeding. Both really important foundational educational pieces that I think every woman should know about when embarking on a breastfeeding journey. Super important. And we do have one more episode coming out. That will be next week. And that is all about people who struggle to breastfeed. This is going to be tailored to those women who are having a lot of challenges with breastfeeding or who are stopping breastfeeding. I want to do a whole episode dedicated to those women because I don't think there's much space out there for those women to feel like they're not alone and that they've got support and guidance and whatnot. So that's going to be a really great episode. So make sure you are subscribed subscribed to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast. So you do not miss out on that. And if you like this episode, as always, jump on over to at Physio Laura and let me know what your favorite bit was. Share with me any comments, feedback. I love knowing I'm not just talking to a computer screen, that there are real life human beings on the other end. So yeah, have a wonderful day, mamas. Enjoy this episode. I'll see you soon. Now, I want to talk about milk supply. And then I want to weave in all your amazing naturopathic wisdom about nutrition and how that affects milk supply. When I put a call out to the listeners about what questions they wanted to know, I got so many questions on milk supply. So I'm sure you're seeing this in your clinical work as well, but milk supply is a really confusing topic for women. And the main theme coming through was low milk supply and increasing your milk supply and ways to increase your milk supply. So I wanted to start with a couple of questions that were submitted, and then we can talk about weaving in like how nutrition can play into milk supply. So let's start off with this one because this will probably set the scene. 
One of the listeners asked, how, statistically speaking, how common is true low milk supply? She wondered if there was an overdiagnosis of low milk supply, because this is obviously something, and I see it as well, and I'm curious to know myself, but how common is it statistically that women would truly not have enough milk for their baby? I don't have a statistic off the top of my head, but what I do, what I can tell you is that one of the main reasons women stop breastfeeding besides nipple pain is perceived low milk supply. And so the mm. key word is perceived. It's not actually sometimes genuine in some cases. So there's there's a lot of reasons for low milk supply. I can go into those if you want wanted me to. Yeah. Yeah. If you can yeah. maybe list off, yeah, what would cause low milk supply, that would be great. And then yeah. we'll talk later about how to combat that. Yeah, definitely. It's a complex issue. I think we've got to think about going back to that lactogenesis word, has the breast growing, are there the right hormones at play? If a mother has any hypothyroidism, low functioning thyroid, if she's had gestational diabetes, if she's had polycystic ovarian syndrome, we know those are hormonal patterns that can interfere with either delaying the milk supply coming in or actually leading to an overall lower supply. And then the fit in the hole, the breastfeeding technique, is the baby latched in the most optimal way? Are we removing as much milk as possible so that fill enzyme can really work and do its thing to replenish that breast milk supply after each feed? So that that would be the number one thing we're thinking of is how is the breast milk production actually regulated at the breast? And then when we go on to talk about nutrition, I think that's a very overlooked aspect of milk supply in terms of supplying the body with enough energy and calories to actually not only produce the milk, but also make quality, highly nutritious breast milk. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Let's get to that in a second. I just wanted to quickly talk about two things that I believe are myths as well, which it would be important to bust out before we go into how you can improve your milk supply and all of this. A lot of women who are pumping, and this is a lot of the questions coming through, were judging their milk supply based on their pumping output. And so they were then having this story around having low milk supply because they weren't pumping very much. I wanted you to talk to that because I, I believe that to not be true indication of milk supply. The other thing was women who weren't having these really strong letdowns, like eight pumps spraying all over the place, were then also perceiving that they had low milk supply. And I can see how all these factors then play into a woman believing she has low milk supply. So can you talk to that? Is pumping actually indicative of milk supply and is having a strong letdown indicative of milk supply? Straight out, no. Pumping Yay. isn't. Yeah, just to make it simple and clear. And I think, I mean, this is the whole thing with mums. There's a lot of comparisonitis. Like we compare and it really messes with our heads. But I think the thing to remember about a pump is that it's a piece of machinery. It is nowhere near as complex as your baby breastfeeding, the bonding, the hormonal surges you're getting from that process. So there's no way that that technology, even if it's great technology, can actually come close to what the, those two human bodies are capable of together. And then you were talking about what we call the letdown. So that what, what we say when we talk about letdown is the way that the milk comes out of the breast. And some mums can feel, feel that sensation. It can be a prickly, tingly sensation for some mums. Some mums actually can find it really unpleasant. 
and other mums don't feel it at all. And I think all of those sensations are quite normal and it can actually change throughout your breastfeeding journey as well. Mm. And it's not an indication of your supply. So I, I don't think that that is something to sort of focus and worry, worry about. We're looking for other signs. Is your baby content between feeds? How is the weight gain? How often are they feeding? Things, things like that. Mm, I, I'm so glad you spoke to that because like you were saying with the comparisonitis and because we obviously have a bit of a pump culture in Australia, which you mentioned earlier, a lot of women are pumping. Of course, the chit chat amongst the playground or the mother's group is going to be like, oh yeah, this morning I pumped 150 mils or whatnot. And it, it starts to seed in your mind that maybe if you are pumping for whatever reason and you're getting 60 mils, oh, is there something wrong with me just because other people are getting more? So I just really love that you flat out said, no, this is not indicative of your milk supply. Like you said, look at your baby. Are they happy? Are they content? Like, are they gaining weight? Because that's going to tell you so much more of the picture than what is actually coming out of a pump. For those listening for my own journey, I and I hate pumping. I find it so tedious. I mentioned that earlier too, but I don't think I ever really got more than 100 mils on a pump. And I can tell you right now, my babies are the chunkiest monkey babies you've ever seen in your life, rolls on rolls on rolls on rolls. And I never let my pumping volume, and women around me were always getting much more than me, but I just never let that mean anything about my milk supply. I just looked at my babies. I was like, they are clearly fine. My pumping it just doesn't work as well on a pump. It is not designed to extract as much milk as a baby. So I just never let it worry me. So I just want to emphasize that for those women listening, what you're getting out on a pump, like that does not mean anything about your milk supply. Look at your baby to get confirmation about whether your milk supply is working or not. Don't compare to what your friends are pumping. It's not like a, a competitive realm that you want to play in about who's getting more milk out on their pump. So yeah, I really just want women to take that home and not let that bother them. So let's talk about milk supply though, because obviously it is a little bit of an issue for women that they're not getting enough milk supply and they want to know what can they do. So obviously pumping is something that is recommended when it comes to milk supply, but I want you to talk to the nutrition side of things. What can women be doing at home to improve their milk supply and how does nutrition and hydration and those sorts of things affect milk supply? Yeah, I love this topic. Oh, at a really basic level, breastfeeding is an additional function to your body. So the more we're asking of the body, the more calories we're consuming. And it means you need to eat more than what you were eating before you were pregnant. So we need extra calories. I've, I've seen quotes around that say a breastfeeding mother consume, is needing to consume a similar amount of calories to that of a professional athlete. So it just goes to show that drive and need for extra energy. And that's not only to support the production of the milk, that process, but also to provide that your baby with really quality nutritional breast milk. Um, there's lots that I can talk about with nutrition. I think we'll just quickly touch on the hydration. It's not that being dehydrated means you're going to have less breast milk. But I do like to say that breast milk is over 80% water. And if you're making a full breast milk supply that can be averagely a, around a litre per 24 hours, that's a lot of water that you're pricing to your breast milk supply. So it's really important. Hot weather, a little bit of exercise, you need to obviously be drinking more to compensate for that as well. 
And then with nutrition, what you're eating for breakfast has a huge impact on your blood sugar levels. Your blood sugar levels impact your hormones hugely. So we need balanced hormones to be able to keep that milk production high and also our energy levels feeling quite stable. So I love to recommend a protein-rich, savory breakfast for mums. I'm not saying make a big cook-up, nothing like that. We want to keep it really quick, easy, nutritious. The, the mornings are a very demanding time for mothers, regardless of how many children they have. And I like to do meal prep. So depending if mum is um, plant-based or not, if they do eat animal products, I recommend a pre-made frittata it can be cut up for each morning uh, or hard-boiled eggs are a great option as well and for mums who are more plant-based a nice high quality protein um, smoothie is a really good option mm, yum I was just thinking about how pathetic my breakfast was this morning <laughs> what did you have I had a coffee and that's all I haven't actually oh. eaten breakfast. And granted, like I actually don't eat breakfast, not because I'm busy. I just don't often actually feel ready to eat mm. straight away. But I was just thinking back to when my son was born, my first, I was having what I call like a fry up every morning, mm. a bit later, Amazing. like maybe 10 o'clock, but it was like bacon and eggs and halloumi and kale and avocado. And it was delicious. And that was like my one I wanted to have a shower and cook that breakfast every day. And if I did that, then I felt like I really had an amazing day. And I do think it really set me up for success. Like it was delicious. I ate it in the sunshine. It felt like I was doing something for me. But obviously from a nutritional point of view, yeah, it was really good at maintaining good energy levels. And it's so easy to just grab like, especially if you have older children, like the crusts off their toast and just like really scrappy sort of food. But if you can dedicate just one day and like you said it doesn't have to be a big deal it can just be a pre-made frittata or a smoothie that you get out the stuff the night before so that like you just have to whiz it up in the morning whatever it is make it easy don't add it to your mental load but yeah that sounds delicious what did you have for breakfast this morning yeah this morning I had I had two fried eggs from ghee and then I just had a bit of an avocado so yeah love oh. eggs for breakfast yeah, I love, I, I have not, to be honest, I was going to say I love eggs too. I have a love-hate relationship with eggs. Sometimes I'm totally into them. Other times I'm like, oh, you make me want to vomit. But anyhow, <laughs> carry on with the delicious <laughs> breastfeeding nutrition. What's your thoughts on all of the breastfeeding cookies, lactation cookies, teas, all of that sort of jam? Yes, that's a good question too, because I do have some thoughts about this. So I don't generally recommend that anyone eats cookies, a lot of cookies. I think we need to look at the ingredients. Are they nutritious? Do they have a lot of fiber? Um, what, what kind of ingredients? Are they really low in sugar? That kind of thing. I think what I love about cookies is that they're a single-handed snack and you need single-handed snacks when you're breastfeeding and busy holding your baby. So I love them in that sense. You just want to make sure you can find the most healthiest, slow-carby recipe possible. And what about um, the tea? Yeah, tea. I do like tea. I think it's a very gentle way to introduce somebody to herbs. Not everyone is right for a breastfeeding tea. And we want to really make sure that we've got the cause of the low milk supply really well understood. Like, is it, is it actually what's happening at the breast rather than there's not enough sort of herbal activity in the body creating more milk? 
But I think a herbal milk supply helps with your hydration. I recommend mums just make the three cup. You generally start with three cups a day. Make it all up in one go and either drink it chill if it's warmer weather or keep it in a nice black thermos to sip at throughout the day. And that that way is just a bit more realistic than kind of saying, hey, sit down for three cups of tea a day, which doesn't feel realistic to new mums at all. No, not at all. I, I think that's a really good point you make though about First address, what is the cause of this low milk supply rather than like if you just go and add teas and cookies and brewer's yeast and all of those things on top of a bad latch or whatever it is, it's not going to fix the cause. So you're just adding things onto something that's still kind of broken. So get to the cause of it first, I think is really important. And those cookies are so delicious, but yes, definitely I agree with you in that, like, would cookies be part of your normal diet? Because it can be very easy. Oh my gosh, like I smashed cookies the first time because someone gifted them to me. And I was like, I don't need these. They just taste really good. And because I'm convincing myself that they're really important for milk supply, I'm also eating way too many of them. So I think it's important to find that healthy balance of like, they're not bad, but like, be, be aware of what you're doing and get to the root cause as well. Don't just like add these things on top and pretend like there, there may not be another reason. It's not always just like a herbal problem. I think that's really important to note. So a question that came in as well, which I thought you could quickly speak to when it comes to nutrition and milk supply is women who are A, returning to work, B, wanting to up their exercise and C, who have just fallen pregnant again while they're still feeding their other child. I had separate questions coming in about how do I maintain good milk supply? So do you have any extra advice on women returning to work, exercising or falling pregnant again, how they can maintain good milk supply, maybe from a nutritional standpoint? Yeah, definitely. These these are good questions. So returning to work, making sure your work environment is set up for you to have a break, proper meal breaks regularly and staying hydrated is really important, but don't go to work and kind of skip at lunch because you're too slammed too busy and I think it's okay to kind of up the calories a little bit to just compensate for that change you're going to be away from your baby for longer than before possibly and that kind of leads to some emotional and hormonal shifts as well like less sort of cuddles throughout the day and the cuddles are really important for the oxytocin so make sure you have a lot of that as soon as you get home do a breastfeed as soon as you get home and then I know you didn't say about pumping, but if you obviously can do some pumping at work, that's important as well. With exercise, I generally wouldn't recommend anything too intense in terms of cardio. So more, I mean, this is your your domaining exercise, but it's hydration if you're sweating. So super important to up that and protein as well, because our muscles are using protein. So making sure you've got a protein-rich breakfast, lunch, and dinner plus snacks and then with a new pregnancy I mean depending on when the morning sickness hits but it can be a really difficult time to up your calories and intake so it's just set the bar at a realistic point for you don't be too hard on yourself if you can take a quality multivitamin that is a nice way to get some extra nutrients Mm -hmm. in there as well I love Dr. Lily Nichol She's a American dietitian and she specializes in nutritious food for pregnancy. So you might not be able to eat a lot, but you want to focus on very nutrient dense foods. If you're not able to eat large meals, have, having foods that are high in nu- nutrition is, is a good way to go there. I love that. 
And just before we finish up, just for those listening, because I think it can be assumed knowledge for us because we're health professionals, but protein, you're saying protein is really important. Can you just list off, I don't know, couple, five, couple of, no ingredients, food sources, sorry, that are protein rich? Because I just think sometimes we can say these things, but women might be like, yeah, but what, what is high protein? So you mentioned eggs before. Yeah, I love eggs. Most animal products are quite high in protein. So fish, meat, cheese, if you're tolerant of dairy, and then if you're more plant-based, it's legumes. So beans, I love beans. Beans and rice actually make a really sort of source of protein. Tofu, tempeh, what else? Yeah, lots of chickpeas, all the legumes, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. How do you, this is, this is more a personal question. How do you cook beans and rice? Like, how do you make that yummy? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. So I'm doing no no rice at the moment. I'm doing just only beans as my carbs and it's okay. working really nicely. Really, really nutritious food actually. But what I would do, make it really easy is cook your rice and then open a couple of tins of, I love black beans or red kidney beans. And then you put the cooked rice in a pan. I usually do a chopped onion and some spices like paprika or some Mexican seasoning. And then you add those rinsed beans and just kind of slowly warm it through. You don't actually need to act, like really actively cook those beans. Mm. And then I like to put some chopped up kale in there as well. Um, okay, I'm going to add that to my list this week. I don't eat <laughs> a lot of rice or beans, to be honest. It's just not, I guess, on my repertoire. But that's really yum. I'm going to, I'm going to give it a go. Hey mamas, I really hope you love that episode and that if you are also questioning things like low milk supply and pumping and whether you need to compare to the person next to you about whether you've got good milk supply, that this has really put all those rumors and myths and things like that to bed because I know so many women question themselves and question their milk supply because of all these rumors. So I really hope that that's helped you recognize the things to look out for to know that you do truly have good milk supply and the ways that you can support yourself at home through nutrition. It's so easily accessible for us to have adequate nutrition It's not easy, but it's accessible for us to have good nutrition at home. So even just those little tip dits that Jolene shared about protein-rich breakfast, making sure you're hydrated, they're really, really important and hopefully achievable for you to implement in your day. So come on over to at PhysioLaura and let me know what you loved about this episode, what you got out of it. I love hearing from you. And if you want to connect with Jolene, you can find her at jwp.care and go and check out all her resources. She's amazing. Remember, she is offering all listeners 15% off her preparing for breastfeeding guide. So you can go and use the code PhysioLaura to apply that. And remember, we've got one more episode coming up. I do not want you to miss out on that one. That one is about challenges with breastfeeding and those women who are struggling. I think that's going to be really important for so many women. So hope you're having a wonderful day. I hope wherever you are, the sun is shining, you are feeling energetic and life is good. And I will catch you all soon for episode four in this Feeding Our Babe podcast series. Bye. Thank you.